Okay. There was this big musical sting. And to me, it sounded just like that opening sting of Les Mis. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, save me, Hugh Jackman, save me. Look down, look down. <laughs> Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. Amy, I think we could both use a session or two with Dr. Harrow right now. I think you're right. And I certainly would not mind having a chat with Towerette either. <laughs> because I think I'm close to dying. <laughs> yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Moon Knight finale episode. We apologize if we are both a little scrambled today and absolutely vibrating with anxiety. <laughs> Yes, indeed. So we are recording today on Thursday. Usually we tend to record our episodes on Wednesdays, the day the episode is released. Yes, but this week we are recording on Thursday because uh, my dear, loving jackass of a husband <laughs> tested positive for COVID on Tuesday evening. And he is fine because clearly that's not the priority for her right now. <laughs> I am also entirely fine and have been playing nursemaid. Thank you very much. Although he's feeling pretty good. I'm basically just bringing him food, water, and clothes uh, to the door. And he's playing mm -hmm. God knows what games on his laptop. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him and, and me not being able to take our little long weekend to North Carolina. I'm fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes, adapting with that. Also, I am going through some positive medication and supplement changes right now. So that's got me a little whacked out. But mainly right now, I am four hours and 29 minutes away from Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So you can understand her energy level since she's counting minutes. Yes. Those of you who follow us on social media have probably noticed haven't retweeted any of the Multiverse Amanda's clips. I have not seen them. I've only seen the trailer. I have intentionally stayed away. I have been off the internets completely. Nothing has been spoiled. I'm going in cold. Yeah, and I've also been off the internet, so to speak, because I got spoiled on Reddit, which sucked. So I'm living life like it's 1995. I'm actually reading a paperback right now. Can you imagine? Yeah, you really hopped in the time machine. Yeah, I did. And I really wish I had a time machine because I want to be 24 hours away from now. Because I am in the final stages of settling a deal for my house. And this has been a five, almost six month long process. I'm almost there. I don't know if it's going to work out right now. And I am a fucking mess. She's a champ, guys. Let me tell you, we went through this last year with me when I was selling my house. And for our U.S. listeners, trust me when I tell you, it is totally different where Amy is. It is a thousand times more stressful than you can possibly imagine. So golf claps for Amy. 
for even being able to record today. Yeah, so uh, sessions with Dr. Harrow would work for each of us, though I think um, a different type of session with Oscar Isaac would also do me well. So, you know. Sure, of course. I think at the end of this episode, listeners, you would need to tell us, was our episode sense or nonsense? Because we are clearly feeling very nonsensical right now. Oh, with the show, I already know. I can tell you, and I'm gonna. Well, yeah, sure. You have your viewpoint. I have my viewpoint. Let's see if we can make a coherent episode out of this. Yes, right before we started recording, she's like, I don't know if I can defend myself today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'm ready for a boxing match right now. I'm (laughs) I'm (laughs) tough. Guys, I was really excited for this show before it started. Truly. I came into it really wanting to like it, especially after the disaster that was Hawkeye. And much to my disappointment as a fan and as a professional, it just has not worked out that way. This finale just cemented my frustration with this show. Personally, I will say this show is not the best show ever. Certainly not. But I enjoyed it a lot. And we got a new superhero out of it, Layla. And Oscar Isaac was absolutely fantastic. The emotional gut punch that was episode five was amazing, yet extremely difficult for me. All in all, I think it was a pretty good show for me. Uh, So two things we want to say up front. Number one, if you are a new listener and joining us for the first time today, please go back and listen to this series from the beginning because there are going to be a couple times where we say, you know, we've mentioned this in prior episodes, don't want to rehash. So you'll really want to, you know, listen to the previous episodes. And so the other thing is something that Amy brought to my attention. Yes, it turns out for the final trailer on YouTube, Marvel decided to change the trailer as series finale trailer to season finale trailer. So we don't know. There are no confirmations or anything of that sort of there being a second season. But this is a significant difference in words. I'm not quite sure what's happening here. Yeah, it's very confusing because they submitted to the Emmys as a limited series, which means it has to be only one season. So unless I don't know what the rules are for that, if they can pull it, if they can change it, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But get your shit together, Marvel. That's a bit of a last minute thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they decided to go ahead with the second season because the audience reaction has been, for the most part, positive. Or they realized that they have a lot of balls in the air that they could possibly get a second season out of it, but nothing confirmed so far. Oh, and one more thing before we dive in, guys. So Sicky is downstairs isolated in what is our guest room slash my studio. So I am recording today in my office, which I was not entirely prepared for. So I apologize for the slight echo that you're hearing in this episode. Okay, so this was the shortest of all of the episodes. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed about that. Yeah. And just going into this, I really felt no stakes whatsoever because I lost all connection to Ethan Hawke's character. Going into the episode, I actually had to really think about what the whole point of the plot and the whole purpose of Arthur Harrow was again. It took me a minute. Mm -hmm. 
And two, there were a few times I chuckled during the episode. Maybe wasn't supposed to. I don't know. But when somebody says, who wants to heal the world? I can't not picture Michael <laughs> Jackson in my head. Come on, mm-hmm. man. What are you doing to me? And hello, moonwalking? Who wrote that line? <laughs> Clearly a Michael Jackson fan. When we came into the show, I was expecting a Marvel show, superhero stuff. And we've got Oscar Isaac, who was absolutely fantastic and is still absolutely fantastic. And to learn a little bit more about Egyptian mythology and stuff like that. What I did not expect this show to turn out to be was was essentially a metaphor for accepting who you are, accepting yourself, flaws and all. And for me, this plotline of Amit and saving the world and all of that did not really matter to me because every other show and movie in the MCU is about saving the fucking world. Who gives a shit right now? So my perspective for this is different. The plot does not matter to me as much as the characters do. Yeah, so not unexpectedly, the plot was super rushed with shortcuts mm-hmm. taken. For instance, no one questioning Layla's presence within that convoy. That actually makes sense because she killed or attacked one of the other followers and took their headgear i must have missed that she definitely didn't kill anybody she wouldn't i don't know about kill but she did attack and maybe make them go unconscious or whatever okay that was while arthur was telling goodbye to mark slash steven slash whoever else might be in there (laughs) yeah so layla And this is something we do agree on. Layla was the best thing about the episode for me. Finally, we agree on something. She's the real (laughs) hero of the episode because she's the one risking her life to release Khonshu. Yeah, to release Khonshu and to try to kill Arthur, but it's Tawaret who stops her from doing that because that would have been suicide. We can call Tawaret a woman, right? She counts. Yeah, of course she's a woman. Yes. She's a goddess. It's weird to call her a woman because she's a hippo. So I guess we just call her a female. Well, hippos have gender, so. But they're not women because women are people. So female. That's my point. All right. Okay. All right. Like Steven says, hippo. So. (laughs) Okay. I mean, calling her a female gives me a lot of incel vibes. Hippo. So I'm okay with it. (laughs) But yeah, ladies for the win here. Yes, absolutely. And I love Towerette as well. Of course. Can we be BFFs, please? (laughs) She seems very cuddly to hug with too. Yes, I think she would give great hugs. Mm -hmm. And I'd be playing with her ears. I just love her ears. I love everything about her. I love her. She's the best. Oh, now I know what Amy's getting for Christmas. A life-size tarot for her new house. <laughs> I think that's going to be the size of my house. And I also love that Layla absolutely refused, no matter what, to be Conchu's avatar. Yes, she wasn't easily manipulated by him. I think that's why Conchu enjoyed having Mark as his avatar, because he was so easily manipulated. 
Yeah, and great performance from May Kalamawi, especially the Towerette stuff. That was great. Yeah, the flipping between the two was fantastic. And she got an awesome costume. Yes, she did. I loved the way she brings out those daggers or short sword. Yeah, I don't know. We'll just call them blades. I'm not sure. All right. Blades is good. Sharp things. (laughs) That's a bit much. If anyone here is an aficionado of swords and daggers or something, please tell us what would be the right term. Yeah, what do you mean it's a bit much? They're sharp things. I'm not wrong. You know, sometimes my gaze can be a sharp thing with you as well. (laughs) (laughs) No, here's the thing, though. Here's what pissed me off is that at the end, they just leave her hanging. Well, of course she's going to come back. It's it's a no-brainer. Yeah, but the thing is, she doesn't get anything. Like, no little wrap-up. Absolutely nothing. Not a button on Layla. Nothing. It, it was like, it felt to me like, since it felt like a woman was shoehorned into the show, like, to begin with, it felt to me like, okay, she served her purpose. We don't really care about her as a character because she's very poorly fleshed out and there's not much to her. So she served her purpose. All right, we can forget about her now. That's how it felt to me. I was like, wait, what happened? Wait, nothing? Well, I think that's because we're going to see more of her later and she's going to be fleshed out more later. This entire show was an introduction to Moon Knight and then later on, we're probably going to get a spinoff for Layla, and maybe they will call her the Scarlet Scarab. Is that what she's called in the comics? Well, so here's the thing. Layla does not exist in the comics. The Scarlet Scarab was Abdul Faul, who is... Her father? Yes. Okay. He was the Scarlet Scarab, and he had whatever his powers were, not through Towerette. I do not remember how he got his powers, but it's definitely not through Towerette. Whereas Layla now has her powers through Towerette and she is her avatar. Maybe they changed the name because she didn't really have much Scarlet in her costume and we do already have a Scarlet Witch. Oh, that's true. It is a badass name though. It is. Yeah, I just don't know about Layla because she was so adamant at never being an avatar. This is a temporary thing. So it's it's hard. Yeah, but it's possible that after seeing what she's able to do, the good that she was able to do in saving that family and that young girl being so excited to see an Egyptian superhero, she might change her mind and make it a permanent deal. Maybe. But it would have to be with Towerette. That's the thing. She would have to stick. Yes. Yes, she'd have to stick with Towerette. And I think that's a pretty good deal. I would not mind being Towerette's avatar. (laughs) If it meant that I could just hang out with her. I'm cool with that. If it meant she could come through other people as a a ghost of a loved one. Buy this house. Buy this house. (laughs) For 10% more than the asking price. She could actually help scare people, you know, sell them this house or I shall haunt you. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, the thing I was actually most happy about with Layla is something that didn't happen. 
if she had woken up in that bed next to Mark, I would have lost my shit. See, that didn't occur to me. When he woke up and we didn't see that side of the bed, I was like sitting there like, don't you do it. No, no, don't you be in that bed. No. (laughs) That did not occur to me at all. Uh, That surprises me because that's a trope, you know? I know. Yes, I know. But MCU is not always that tropey, yet they do hit some tropes. So I don't know. It didn't occur to me. I guess it's a good thing. So since we're on the topic of women, now is the perfect time for Heather and Joe to tell you about their show, Women of Herstory. I'm Heather Ashley. I'm Joe. And we're the hosts of Women of Herstory, a podcast, a twice weekly podcast where we bring you researched biographical episodes about women of the past on Tuesdays and interviews with women from around the world doing amazing things on Fridays. Coming up this season, we will be talking about women like Anna Mae Wong, Rita Moreno, Ellen Ochoa, and Tammy Duckworth. Our interviews, as always, are with women from all over the world. This season, we have authors, activists, business owners, performers, and everything in between. If you're a fan of forgotten history, inspiring conversations, a lot of laughs, occasional rants, and excellent puns, then this show is for you. Tune in Tuesdays and Fridays for new episodes. Available on all major streaming platforms. Be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of. Back in the days when I ran my own web design business, I only backed up my important data on an external hard drive. Oh, the follies of youth. So when my brother dropped the hard drive and I lost three years of my life, I was devastated. Is he still alive? Yes, but I considered burying him under the floor. Once I stopped crying, I realized I needed a more reliable backup system. Enter Backblaze, the set-it-and-forget-it cloud storage solution. For $7 a month, Backblaze protects your most important data from life's little curveballs, like clumsy siblings, rowdy kids, and mischievous pets. And with its simple interface and easy setup, anyone can use it. I'm certainly proof of that. Sign up now for a 15-day free trial using the link in our show notes, which also helps support the Marvelous Madams. Backblaze. When it comes to data, they have your back. So I was both confused and disappointed that the gods of the Inead, like, never got their I told you so moment, never got any kind of comeuppance for not listening to Mark and Conchu about Arthur Harrow. Yeah, I agree. I think that's why Osiris opened the door in the first place. He probably had a conversation with Tower Ed where she said, hey, stop being dicks. Listen to the hippo. And that's how Mark and Stephen got out. But I do think that if we had a longer runtime, we probably would have had an opportunity to have a little bit more of a conversation with the avatars, if not the gods, because that would have been a whole different CGI thing. Yeah. And I thought Osiris was going to come out to be some kind of bad guy in this. Well, it was his avatar that was being stupid with Harrow. Right, but he was, you know, working on behalf of Osiris. So they're basically one and the same mm-hmm. in that regard. But yeah, they kind of telegraphed that he was kind of shady. 
Yeah. I mean, all gods are kind of shady. Well, I'm wondering if things were cut. I think so, yes. A lot of stuff has been cut. Unfortunately, what wasn't cut was the monster fight. Why? Why? Oh, why? Yeah, I don't give a shit about Khonshu and Amit fighting. Give me more of the humans. Yeah, especially when they're waxing philosophical with each other. Get out of here. Yeah, I mean, Marvel, I get that you wanted to have a big CGI fest and all of that, but you could have saved the money, had them both sit down at the pyramids and have a chat rather than do this huge fight and, you know, use that money to sort out the previous episode's you know, CGI stuff that was a bit iffy. Yeah, stop with the CGI monster fights. It's not working. <laughs> that being said, Amit did look cool. <laughs> it's funny you say that. When she was eating all the souls, it totally reminded me of, of the cinematic disaster that is Batman Forever when Riddler is sitting on his throne sucking up everybody's brain juice. Yeah, the whole soul-sucking thing is ridiculous. I don't know why that came in. I mean, she's supposed to be someone who judges souls to basically kill them and send them to the Duat so that they don't cause any harm. Why is she suddenly a soul-sucker? Yeah, about that. So her grand plan is to have all her followers, who all of whom can magically now weigh scales and suck souls, Mm -hmm. Literally just run around killing people till they get everyone in the world. Somebody needs to call in an efficiency expert. (laughs) Well, you see, she hasn't understood the modern technology quite yet. She's been stuck for 2000 years. And that's probably the reason why she's going around doing it old school way. So you think a Facebook group would help her? See, now that tells me your technological level. Just put her on Twitter. (laughs) She says this to the woman who curates and runs her Twitter account. Yes, that's true. If you put her on Twitter, the world's population is gone. (laughs) It's just so silly. Like, this makes less sense in terms of, you know, how to go about things. It makes less sense than Alex Jones and his theory that the government is going to kill us all with guillotines. <laughs> what? Yes, it is a thing. <laughs> Wait, are you French now? I swear to God, psycho Alex Jones was peddling that theory for a while that the government has a secret stash of tons of guillotines and they're going to go around killing us all via guillotine. <laughs> Everybody, I wish you could see her face right now. (laughs) And you say that the Marvel plan was bad. (laughs) I'm saying they're on par in terms of uh, efficiency. No, they are very, very far from on par. (laughs) You know, I got to throw this in there because I mentioned that similarity to Jim Carrey's disastrous turn as the Riddler. People, go watch the Batman. Go watch it. Stop what you're doing. Not this episode. Finish this episode. Then put all <laughs> put all of your other earthly responsibilities aside. Give your kids some Benadryl. Put them the fuck to bed. Give your dogs a bone and go watch the Batman. 
because it's fucking awesome. For the record, the Marvelous Madams does not recommend you give your children Benadryl. <laughs> yeah, she's been going on and on about how amazing it is. I haven't seen it yet. I will someday. I have watched it three times. I'm a little obsessed with it. And my mood was greatly improved yesterday when I realized, <gasps> thanks to Jeffrey Wright and Zoe Kravitz, we can do it as a marvelous movie for our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I shall be watching it soonish because we will need to record that. Yes, guys, get ready. This summer, The Batman mm-hmm. coming to our Patreon. Tickets available now. <laughs> <laughs> so there was another bit with Steven, plot-wise, where I was like, hold on a second, really? When Steven tells Kanchu, like, we're, we're done with this arrangement, we don't, we're not going to be your avatar anymore. Let's get this done. And Kanchu just says, you have my word. And Steven's just like, okay, cool. This didn't sit right with me. Well, what else is he going to do? I mean, a legal document is not going to be binding with a god. Yes. That's why I feel like the show needed to put in some other kind of failsafe, some way for Mark to have something on Khonshu to some way to force this because it didn't make sense to me for Steven to be like, okay, cool. He promised because Steven was the one who was always saying to Mark, like, dude, he manipulated the shit out of you. Like, this is not a good guy. You do not owe him. Steven was the voice of reason there. So it didn't add up for me for Steven to just be like, okay, cool. Well, Steven's naivete could also play into part of could play a part over there because if a god is giving you their word you kind of take them for their word you know a god but that was the whole thing is steven wasn't steven was the opposite of naive with Kanshu. earlier mark was the one being naive yeah mark was being naive into thinking that Kanshu actually gave a shit about him and that's understandable again coming from mark's point of view because his mother being an authority figure in his life hated the shit out of him. His dad didn't have the guts to do anything about it. We don't know anything about the military, but he was discharged from the military. So he didn't have anyone who cared about him. So Khonshu pretending to care was enough for him, even though he was being manipulated. While Stephen was being able to see that from a third person's perspective or... Don't even go there. Uh, Don't go there. Well, anyways. So Stephen having that different perspective would be able to see that Conchu is manipulating him. But at the same time, he kind of has to trust the word for God in a way. And it's not like he has a choice except to take him for his word because there is nothing else that he can hold over a fucking God. Yeah, see, that, that's just it. I wanted there to be something and didn't get it, so. Well, if there would have been something like that, like a failsafe, then we wouldn't have the post credit scene. And then we wouldn't have Moon Knight moving forward. And that yeah. kind of defeats the purpose of the show in the, fa- in the first place. So that's why we couldn't have a failsafe. Well, I get what you're saying, but mm-hmm. there are ways to write things. You know, there are things that can be invented. There are so many creative things you can do so that the pieces slide into place properly rather than it seems like we're 
jamming a round peg into a square hole. I am not touching that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about Arthur Harrow and Ethan Hawke for a little bit, because I'm feeling kind of bad for Ethan Hawke. Why? He was fantastic. Oh, he was. But I think he got the shaft here, and so did Arthur Harrow. Like a lot of other aspects of the show, Arthur's character started off strong in those first two episodes, and then they just lost the thread. Yeah. And that has been a trend for a lot of the Disney Plus shows, where they start off really strong, and then towards the end, it becomes more about the superheroing and the CGI bonanza. So do you remember when they first got to uh, the Great Pyramid and they're like climbing up it and there was that big musical sting? Where he hits the stick on the ground and then it opens up? Maybe. Okay. There was this big musical sting. And to me, it sounded just like that opening sting of Les Mis. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I was like... Oh my God, save me, Hugh Jackman, save me. Look down, look down. <laughs> I, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, that did seem a bit off in that moment. I don't know why that musical sting was slightly out of place. I think that's why it stuck out so much for me. Maybe. Because I'm like, you shouldn't be here. You should be with Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe on the ship, musical sting. What are you doing here? <laughs> And we talked about this in earlier episodes, how, you know, Harrow was a very dangerous guy because we were kind of like, well, I see his point a little bit there. I mean, the guy's kind of making sense. Oh, wait, he's a cult leader. Stop it. You know? Yeah. And that is more to Ethan Hawke's abilities than it is about Arthur Harrow, the character. No, I think the writing was better, too, in those first two episodes. The it, mm-hmm. Things were making more sense. They were attempting to build that world a little bit. And we actually, you know, garnered some some sympathy for him with Khonshu. And there was so much potential for a great, solid villain there. And then it became another show. And I just lost that connection to him entirely. So that the stakes for him and then his death meant absolutely nothing. He just became a run-of-the-mill bad guy. Well, he is supposed to be a run-of-the-mill bad guy. Ethan Hawke did a fantastic job, don't get me wrong, in those first few episodes. Yes, he did. And and in the last two episodes where he's on a mission to get Amit and all of that, there wasn't really much space for him to shine, aside from when he was speaking to Layla. And even as Dr. Harrow, I think he was great. But he had to be defeated. He had to die. And that's what happened. Yeah, I'm not saying there was a problem with him dying, but it just sucked any kind of connection out of it for me because they just kind of abandoned the characterization for him. With the exception of like the one line they give him. And like you said, Ethan Hawke does a lot with the little that he's given to -hmm. work with. I respected him in the end for his willingness to die when his scales didn't balance. His willingness to actually follow the rules that he'd been holding other people to. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't hypocritical. No, not at all. And man, Mm -hmm. he does get one great line. 
I don't need to show you my papers. You need to show us your soul. God damn. <laughs> I want to say that someday to like a TSA agent, you know? Uh-huh. And then I shall meet you in prison. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sticking with Arthur for a minute. A question I had with him, it, it speaks to a larger issue with the show. So with his followers, I was like, wait, so all this time Arthur Harrow could turn his people into his personal flying monkeys? What do you mean? So when they got to the checkpoint into the armed guards and he weighed the guy's scales, he said, this is a good man. You don't need this anymore. Throws away his walkie talkie. It just seemed like he had this guy under a spell now. Like this guy was his. Yeah, I don't know about the spell, but I do think that that dude was disoriented for sure. And he kind of took over to make him feel like, oh, you're good. You're fine. You're one of the good guys. Even if that security guard would have tried to do something, Arthur would have convinced him to join the right side. And something to note during this time, like when Arthur, he stuck the cane in the ground and Everyone's scales were measured. Layla survived. She was in one of the jeeps. We don't see an effect on her, but she's alive. So her scales balanced. It's kind of hard to know if her scales balanced and she was fine or if they just shortcutted that because she needed to stay alive. I don't know. Or maybe she was out of the radius. But I doubt that. Well, see, this is the problem. We've done a lot of this speculation. And mm -hmm. trying to make assumptions and wondering about things. Because throughout the show, I think they did a really poor job with world building. Especially when it comes to establishing internal rules and logic for how stuff works. Things like this. People's powers. What's the deal with the scales? It's all very nebulous. Uh, very undefined. For example, we have Amit saying that her previous avatar's scales balanced perfectly. So presumably she's talking about Alexander the Great because they introduced him. They showed he was her avatar. It's basic screenwriting. that That's who she's referring to. Mm -hmm. So she says his scales balance perfectly. Um, what does it mean then for one scales to be balanced on this show? Because he was one of the great murderers of history. The man murdered and slaughtered countless thousands of innocent people. Yeah, and that's something that we discussed in the first episode because we're talking about the morality of an Egyptian god with the moralities of that time. So murder may be okay as, as long as you're killing the right type of people, whereas being gay may not be okay. Something like that. We don't know. And that is not what's important. What's important is that Arthur believes that that measurement of scales is what's important. And that's what makes you a good man or a bad man. So you can say that for Arthur, that's fine. But for me, it's a big problem with Mark because I need to know what it means for his scales to be balanced. There's just so much missing here and so much that's undefined that needed to be. So here's the thing. Amit's scales being balanced is about morality. Mark and Stephen's scales being balanced after death is not the same scales. Where are you getting this? Tawaret explained that. 
well, she didn't explain it in so many words, but she said that Mark and Stephen's hearts need to be balanced as light as the feather of truth or something like that. Basically, that feather, basically, that they were true to themselves. And if that scale doesn't balance, then they go to the duad. And if their scale's balanced, then they go to the field of reeds. Whereas with Amit, she's seeing past, present, future about her moral compass and deciding that people need to die based on that. So those scales are different. Well, but then it takes us back to the whole Mark and Stephen thing of why were they weighed together? There's just so much that's messy. Yeah, that's a different thing. I'm talking about the scales itself. They're different types of scales. There's a lot being said in this show in between the lines that you need to think about, and it's not being explicitly told. There are inconsistencies for sure. Yes, I'm not saying that everything's perfect, but there's a lot between the lines that I don't think you're getting. And that's where I think a lot of your problems are coming through. Yeah, this is just something we have to disagree on. Fair. Yeah. So I'm not going to rehash everything that I said in episode five about Mark and Stephen because all of my feelings on that still stand. I do not understand how Mark's scales have balanced from a plot perspective because of Jake Lockley, because of the mess that they made of this whole DID situation. And it's driving me nuts that the writers are still ignoring Jake in relation to Mark's awareness of a third altar because they did it again with, oh, that wasn't me. Oh, that wasn't you. And Layla's like, what the fuck? It's definitely somebody else. But we're still ignoring that in regards to Mark. Yeah, and that is something I think will come in the future. Season one was about Stephen and Mark reconciling with each other and accepting each other. And I think Jake coming in is going to be the antagonist of season two, if that happens. Which is why Mark and Stephen's scales balanced, because it wasn't about the two of them separately. It was about them reconciling, accepting each other which is essentially Mark accepting himself and all the abuse that he went through, and which is why the scale's balanced. So even without Jake Lockley, for me, I get upset with the scale's balancing. And I talked about this last episode, that quick goodwill hunting moment resolving decades of compounded trauma. I don't think these writers dropped the ball on mental illness, guys. I think they dropped it, kicked it down the street, and into a lake. I am fine with keeping Steven a part of the show. I love Steven. I think he was the best part of the show. So of course, I'm happy about that. And he should remain a part of the show because there's no way that Mark and Steven should be resolved without assloads of therapy and medication. And I'm not saying we need to spend a six episode season of him in a mental institution going through all of that, but we have to be shown in some way that it's happening, like we were shown on Falcon and the Winter Soldier with Bucky. So it's the way they kept Steven in the show that I don't like. And it, it stems from the way they framed it with that resolution. For me, I saw it as a slap in the face to people with mental illness when Mark goes back for Steven. People struggling with DID or schizophrenia or bipolar disorder would give anything to stop the voices the hallucinations, the paranoid thoughts, and have a healthy 
quiet mind. So to have Mark actively want that back, actively want to continue living this fractured life and then seemingly enjoying his flip-flopping with Steven, that was a big old no for me. Just no on all counts. And that's your opinion? I agree that the mental illness aspect of it was not treated with complete accuracy, but it is a television show and this isn't the first one to do that. I look at it as empowering, as him accepting it and using it as a strength rather than trying to get rid of it. It's similar to what we were discussing with Wanda and her powers. She didn't ask for it, but she had it anyways. And Mark didn't ask for the, for the trauma and the DID, but now he's trying to do the best he can with it. That doesn't mean that he shouldn't get treatment for it or get help for it. He absolutely should. But that is up to him when he thinks that he's ready to do that. We want him to get better. We want him to have a healthy, happy life. But it's his choice. And you have your opinions. I am op opinions. And let's just agree to disagree. Well, here's what I'm wondering, too. We, we both agree Layla's going to come back, right? Yes. What does that mean for her? We will see when she comes back. We don't know. There was too much going on for us to have her internal struggle come through as well, because this was all about Mark and Stephen. There was no place for her. Just like in Hawkeye, we got Echo. We got an introduction to her and there was no place for her in all those shenanigans. We're getting a spinoff for her. Now, hopefully, we get to see more of Layla and whatever she's called either in a show or in a movie. Echo definitely got more characterization, though. Fine. In this show, there was no other place except for Oscar Isaac and all his iterations. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I do believe we will get more of Layla and characterization and, and fleshing her out more wherever she shows up. You have a lot more hope than I do. You know what it's like for me? So we've all met those people who are constantly saying, I have no time for this. I have no time for that. And they're always frazzled because they're just mm -hmm. so super busy. And they say they have no time for anything. Right. And that's a badge of honor for them. Right. And people like that aggravate me because I look at them and I say, as long as it's not like performative and they're not, you know, looking for attention about it. And mainly the people not wearing it as a badge of honor, I guess. The people who are genuinely like, I don't have time. They aggravate me because they don't understand that it's not about having time, it's about making time. So I guess what it comes down to for me with this show is they chose not to make the time for other things that would have made the show a lot stronger and instead what? turned it into, for most of the show, the Oscar Isaac show. And again, guys, I love him. He did a fantastic job, but it didn't serve the best interests of the show as a whole in the way they did it. Yeah, they chose not to give Layla the time, but they chose to create her character and make her a superhero. We don't know what the plan was in it originally, but I do know that Mama Diab, the director of the show, feels very strongly about having Layla as an Egyptian superhero. And let me put it this way, even though she was not fleshed out as any of Oscar Isaac's characters, we still got her 
I'm happy for that because all said and done, having a Middle Eastern superhero who looks Middle Eastern, who does not shy away from it, is still a win. And that I have hope that it's going to get better and she's going to show up and be a more, she's going to be a character and not just a name. That's fine with me. Because even in this show, there is a little bit of racism that's creeping in. We discussed that in, in episode five with the accents with Konshu and Towerette. It's almost like these guys listen to me because Amit does not have an English accent. Yeah, I didn't pick up on this because monster. I was just distracted by the fact that she's just a giant crocodile to me. Yeah, and Towerette is a giant hippo. Yeah. And Konshu is a bird skeleton. So I found it interesting that Amit had a Middle Eastern accent and she's the bad guy in this show. Whereas the two supposed good guys, the good gods, have English accents. I don't know if that was intentional or not. I feel like how can it not be? Especially when the director is Mohammed Diab. <laughs> Come on. Mm -hmm. You know, speaking to of accents and languages, people, I would love for somebody to answer this question for me. Why the hell is Jake Lockley speaking Spanish at the end of this episode? <laughs> I felt like Ron Burgundy. Like, what the fuck is happening right now? You are Jake Lockley. You're not Oscar Isaac. And you're speaking to an American. Why the fuck are you speaking Spanish? No clue. Maybe he's a Spanish taxi driver. I don't know. His name is Jake Lockley. <laughs> I have no idea. If he had been Jake from State Bar Farm, it would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. So that almost wraps it up for Moon Knight because we still have one episode coming up. Yeah. So you guys have heard us go at it episode after episode, round after round. Now it's your turn to tell us what you think of the show with our Moon Knight roundtable. Yeah, we're pretty tired of talking to each other about it, guys. So we're just going <laughs> to shut the fuck up and let you have your say. Yep. And we're going to find our allies in that roundtable. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be in two weeks, guys. We are taking our little season break. So that episode will be back with the start of season five of The Marvelous Madams on Monday, May 30th, which uh, now that I think about it is uh, Memorial Day. Huh. But while you wait for that episode, everybody, we got another one for you on Patreon right now. Yeah, in case if you miss us too much, join us on Patreon and listen to us, well, rather, me, ranting about Sherlock Holmes. Oh, we both rant. There's plenty of ranting room for both of us. Yes, true, but I took the cake in that episode, for sure. Yes, Amy's got some problems with the science, or lack thereof, <laughs> or... Mess. Geography? Yes, geography, engineering. We hit all the high points. History, too. <laughs> Yes, and my issues come with uh, the introduction of Sherlock McLean to <laughs> the zeitgeist. Uh-huh. So yeah, use the link in our show notes, head over to our Patreon, and for $5 a month, you can get Sherlock Holmes, Crimson Peak, in a few months, The Batman, and all of our other marvelous movies. Yep. We will also be back on social media starting Monday the 16th, 
and we will get back to each and every one of you. So send us those thoughts on Multiverse of Madness. I am literally vibrating right now. Yes, and also please let us know if this episode was sense or nonsense. Yes. So we will rejoin you guys on May 30th with four lovely people who have been kind enough to listen to us run our mouths for two years now. (laughs) Yes. Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. I am now going to dig out my dozen digital copies of my movie tickets and sit by my door for the next (laughs) three hours. Yeah, yeah. Just gonna go get in the car. You know, you think she's joking, but she's not. (laughs) I'm gonna be pacing the house. I don't know what to do with myself. I need to vacuum, so that helps. I've got something to do. You do that. I'm gonna spend a sleepless night wondering what's gonna happen tomorrow in my house. And if you guys are looking for something to do, you can find more content and a blog on our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. (laughs) I have to do it now every fucking time. One day I'm gonna rec- I'm gonna take all those to 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 to's of yours and put them together, <laughs> and I'll make around. that. No, 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 that's not the blooper. I will make that the highlight of our year. Put that in our <laughs> highlights. <laughs>